Welcome to The Cantankerous Catholic with Joe Sixpack, the every Catholic guy. Listen to Joe tackle the really tough moral issues, current events, and politics from a Catholic perspective. Now here's Joe Sixpack, the every Catholic guy. Hey, Sixpackers, welcome back to The Cantankerous Catholic, Episode 17. Regardless of how you feel about the special counsel's investigation into collusion with the Russians by the Trump campaign, there is something that's come from the investigation we all need to be aware of. What I'm talking about is something that threatens our individual liberties as Americans and Catholics. I'll explain what I mean when I come back. Learn things about the Catholic faith you never knew in Joe Sixpack's Secrets of the Catholic Faith. There are many essentials to our holy and ancient faith that few modern Catholics know. Those essentials have become, well, secrets, hence the title Secrets of the Catholic Faith. Joe Sixpack, the every Catholic guy, is always exciting, never boring, and completely politically incorrect. He never shies away from the so-called untouchable moral issues. With his use of humor and directness, readers and students can never get enough of what he teaches. According to Joe, there isn't one single teaching of the Catholic Church that can't be completely demonstrated to an inquiring mind. Everything can be demonstrated. But the Catholic laity aren't being taught these things. They're being fed pablum when they need and want meat. Secrets of the Catholic Faith is actually exciting, and it will make any Catholic's chest swell with pride. So get your copy of Secrets of the Catholic Faith by Joe Sixpack, the Every Catholic Guy, today in print or ebook on Amazon, Apple Books, Barnes and Noble, and Kobo. After the terrorist attacks on the World Trade Center and the Pentagon on 9-11, America was in the mood to take drastic action to keep that sort of thing from happening again in the future. As a bipartisan move, Congress and President Bush seized on that mood to take us one step closer to a police state. Ostensibly, they wanted to help protect America and Americans, but contemporary history tells us that the federal government used 9-11 to seize power and further erode our liberty, thus giving the federal government more power. With bipartisan support, Congress passed and President Bush signed into law his proposed USA Patriot Act about six weeks after nearly 3,000 Americans lost their lives on American soil. This 300-page act, which no one could have possibly had time to read and study before it was voted on by Congress, enjoyed the support of congressional members from across the political spectrum. Bush named it the Patriot Act for a reason. All members of Congress who voted against it could then be labeled as unpatriotic and supporters of terror attacks against America. That's why the Senate vote was 98 to 1, and only 66 out of 423 members of the House voted against it. Rather than do what's best for Americans, members of Congress were more worried about how their constituents would view them. In 1978, Congress passed the Foreign Intelligence Surveillance Act, also called FISA. This act gave the federal government the power to establish procedures for the physical and electronic surveillance and collection of foreign intelligence information between foreign powers and agents of foreign powers suspected of espionage or terrorism. It was greatly enhanced after the passage of the Patriot Act and has been modified many times since then. 
Between FISA and the Patriot Act, Americans have lost the liberties guaranteed by the Constitution under the guise of keeping Americans safe and secure. Benjamin Franklin said those who would give up essential liberty to purchase a little temporary safety deserve neither liberty nor safety. The Fourth Amendment to the Constitution in the Bill of Rights says, The right of the people to be secure in their persons, houses, papers, and effects against unreasonable searches and seizures shall not be violated, and no warrant shall issue but upon probable cause, supported by oath or affirmation, and particularly describing the place to be searched and the persons or things to be seized. The Fifth Amendment to the Constitution in the Bill of Rights says in part, No person shall be held to answer for a capital or otherwise infamous crime unless on a presentment or indictment of a grand jury, nor be deprived of life, liberty, or property without due process of law. These two constitutional amendments have been nullified under the Patriot Act and FISA. As long as we continue to let these two laws stand, in the words of Franklin, we deserve neither liberty nor safety. Let's look at this a little more closely. Because the Patriot Act greatly expanded FISA, the FBI was able to obtain warrants from the FISA court to spy on the Trump campaign. Apparently, a FISA judge granted the warrants without having a hearing, but rather just on the basis of the FBI's word. Despite the fact that the law calls for a hearing, apparently for the appearance of propriety, a hearing is actually superfluous. Under the law, the federal government acts in secret and the target of an investigation has no opportunity to defend himself. In other words, there's no due process of laws called for in the Fifth Amendment. So then candidate Trump wasn't given any of the guarantees afforded him under the Constitution. I've heard some people say that this was done to Trump just because they didn't want him to get elected. That may be true, but it's happened to other Americans who weren't running for office. What happened to Trump can legally happen to any American, even though it's prohibited under the Constitution. Did you know that American citizens have been arrested and detained without due process of law under the Patriot Act? In fact, thanks to the Patriot Act, FISA, and other related laws, Americans have been imprisoned without due process of law and their families have no idea where they are. The government has collected everything they could on everyday citizens, their private property has been seized, and they are regularly searched and spied on without their knowledge and consent. In other words, despite that the Fifth Amendment says that we can't be deprived of life, liberty, or property without due process of law, the federal government does this to us all the time. Indeed, you may very well have been spied on by the federal government already. During the Obama administration, National Security Advisor James Clapper provided testimony before Congress. He was specifically and pointedly asked if the government was collecting information on average Americans. He told Congress that the Obama administration wasn't doing that. It was later discovered that Clapper lied to Congress with impunity because it was proven that the Obama administration had collected files on tens of millions of American citizens. Not only should this scare you, but you should be angry as hell. Here's something even scarier. 
From the 2016 political campaigns to now, Google, Facebook, Twitter, and other big tech companies have been censoring, deleting, and hiding the online presence of Republicans, conservatives, and pro-life groups. But there hasn't been one single reported instance of a liberal, Democrat, Muslim, or any American being censored or deleted. This has caused Congress to begin looking toward regulating those platforms. That should frighten and outrage you more than anything the government has done to us thus far. Let me preach on it. We're a capitalist nation, and capitalism has made America the most prosperous and greatest nation on earth, or even in the history of the world. Contrary to what those booger-eating morons on the left continue to tell you, the only thing standing between you and the life goals and accomplishments you desire is hard work. We live in a country where you can become whatever you want to be and achieve whatever you want to achieve, provided you're willing to work for it. Achievement had never been hampered until the federal government began unconstitutionally regulating everything. In fact, Fred DeLuca, co-founder of the Subway franchise, stated a few years ago that he couldn't have built Subway if he had to deal with all the government regulation that's come about since he began in 1965. The way to deal with the unjust censorship of big tech is to let the free market deal with it. When the government showed signs of leaning toward regulating big tech, I began to advocate against it, telling citizens in favor of government regulation to just be patient. Entrepreneurship, I said, would take care of this. I said that an entrepreneur would see the niche left open by big tech and that this entrepreneur would create an alternative for conservatives, Republicans, and pro-lifers. An entrepreneur did exactly that and began mumbling, an almost exact replica of Facebook, but without the censorship. In fact, this is where I have the cantankerous Catholic listener social media group. Unfortunately, the government is continuing to move forward with its plans to regulate big tech. Frankly, I find it a little suspicious that Mark Zuckerberg, Facebook's founder, actually wants government regulation. Apart from the fact that the government regulation of big tech is bad for business in general, it's also very frightening in terms of liberty. Why? It was discovered and admitted to by Amazon not long ago that Amazon's Alexa collects information from its users. If you have an Alexa in your home, it's listening. Alexa doesn't just listen when it's turned on, but it listens all the time. Alexa hears your most intimate conversations, listens to all your household activities, and even picks up on things done and said in your home that you wouldn't even discuss with your best friend. Then Amazon uses real people with real ears and computer algorithms to listen to and analyze what's said and happens in your home. So if you're one of the 100 million people who own an Alexa or device with Alexa built in, you have absolutely no privacy. Amazon claims to do this for marketing purposes. They not only know what to present to you on their sales platform, but they sell your personal information to other companies. That's enough to make us all feel exposed and naked to the world as it is, but government regulation of big tech will make things exponentially worse. Anytime government begins to regulate anything, two things always happen. The first thing the government does is try to turn the regulated entity into a new revenue source through the taxation of that entity and its customers. The second thing is far more sinister. 
The second thing the government does is to make regulations that make the regulated entities' assets the government's assets. It's theft, but they call it a partnership. It happened with Amtrak. It happened with the divestiture of AT&T. And in this case, what the government will do is take the technology that collects all of our information and use it to control us. Ultimately, what the government will do with the technology is control everything we see, tell us what to think, what we can read, hear, and watch, tell us what to eat, how we must raise our kids, and even monitor activity in our bedrooms. The government will know whether we own guns. It will know when we say something critical about the government. It will know when we hold a political or religious opinion that's contrary to what the government wants. The biggest problem with this is that it's just a short step for the government to expand sedition and treason laws to include anything contrary to what the government expects. This is absolute tyranny. Don't believe my claims here? All you have to do is go online and check for yourself. There are plenty of reputable sources on the internet to back up my claims. You might want to do this quickly, though, because there's no telling how much longer those sources will be available. We can't afford to wait until these evil and enslaving things begin to happen. Once the government begins to form the snowball at the top of the hill and roll it down the hillside, it'll become a huge snow boulder that crushes everything in its path before we can stop it. We have to act now. How do we stop the government before it has a chance to begin? Well, there's a little remedy in the Constitution we can use, but we have to use it before it's too late. Let me preach on this, too. As the Constitutional Convention in 1787 began to wind down, the delegates were ecstatic about the founding document they had authored. However, one man, a man named George Mason, had a few remaining nagging doubts. Mason told the delegates that the Constitution they had formulated was great, but that it presupposes that men involved in the Judiciary, Congress, and the Executive Branch would always be good and honorable and just men who would always have the best interests of America in mind. But what if they didn't, he asked. The other delegates quickly realized that Mason was right. Consequently, they stayed in convention another two weeks and wrote the fifth article of the Constitution. The fifth article says, The Congress, whenever two-thirds of both houses shall deem it necessary, shall propose amendments to this Constitution, or on the application of the legislatures of two-thirds of the several states, shall call a convention for proposing amendments, which, in either case, shall be valid to all intents and purposes as part of this Constitution, when ratified by the legislatures of three-fourths of the several states, or by conventions of three-fourths thereof, as the one or the other mode of ratification may be proposed by Congress, provided that no amendment which may be made prior to the year 1808 shall affect in any manner the first and fourth clauses in the ninth section of the first article, and that no state without its consent shall be deprived of its equal suffrage in the Senate. The part that's most important to this discussion says, on the application of the legislatures of two-thirds of the several states shall call a convention for proposing amendments. This is something that is very much in play today. 
In December of 2013, Mark Levin, Mark Meckler, Eric O'Keefe, and nearly 100 other constitutional scholars and patriots met at Mount Vernon, the home of George Washington, to discuss the possibility of starting a convention of states movement to rein in the overreaching control of the federal government. The movement was born in 2014. The Convention of States movement requires 34 states to submit resolutions in order to force Congress to call a convention. There are already 15, which is lightning fast for less than five years of dealing with state legislatures. We need more states, and the only way that can happen is with your help and involvement. The greatest fear people have is that a convention of states would end up as a runaway convention, or that the convention would gut the Constitution. Neither concern is possible. We don't have the time here to cover all the questions and convention of states specifics, but all the questions you may have can be answered in my show notes. And there are plenty of links, including a video, so visit cantankerouscatholic.com to learn all you need to know. Some say America's greatest enemy is China. Others say it's Russia. It's neither. Our greatest enemy is our own government. As Ronald Reagan once said, freedom is a fragile thing and is never more than one generation away from extinction. It is not ours by inheritance. It must be fought for and defended constantly by each generation, for it comes only once to a people. Those who have known freedom and then lost it have never known it again. Joe Sixpack, the every Catholic guy, is a welcome visitor to parishes across the United States every Sunday through his What We Believe, Why We Believe It bulletin inserts. Using humor, immutable truth, and ignoring political correctness, Joe Sixpack helps the average Catholic in the pew better know and understand our holy and ancient faith in a way that is refreshing, awe-inspiring, and makes readers chest-pounding proud to be Catholic. And readers love it. Now you can enjoy Joe's work by getting the best of What We Believe, Why We Believe It book series. In fact, get two copies of each book, one for yourself and one for your pastor. Then your priest can decide if he wants to help your fellow parishioners by subscribing to the What We Believe, Why We Believe It bulletin inserts. Get your copy of the best of What We Believe, Why We Believe It by Joe Sixpack, the Every Catholic Guy, today in print or ebook on Amazon, Apple Books, Barnes and Noble, and Kobo. Joe Sixpack, the Every Catholic Guy, wants to make sure you're informed about all the Catholic news you need to know. Here's Joe Sixpack's top five Catholic news picks for this episode. Catholic news pick number five. Hats off to LifeSite News. A 20-year-old college student in upstate New York reported an Uber driver for refusing to take her to get an abortion. According to the woman's account, which was reported on by Yahoo Style, the ride-sharing company canned the pro-lifer. This story has a few twists, and it's worth reading. You can read the whole story by clicking the link in my show notes. Catholic News Pick Number 4 Hats off to LifeSite News. After evangelist Franklin Graham posted a series of tweets pointing out the incongruity of presidential candidate Mayor Pete Buttigieg's claim that he is a gay Christian, Father Martin S.J. weighed in to deflect Graham's rebuke. 
The president of the Billy Graham Evangelistic Association had informed the South Bend mayor via Twitter that homosexuality is a sin, something to be repentant of, not something to be flaunted. The pro-LGBT Jesuit didn't like that. Being gay isn't a sin, began Father Martin's tweet, contradicting Reverend Graham. It's the way that God made some people. God didn't make some people this way. It's not even possible. And I'll be happy to discuss why it's not possible with anyone who wants to discuss it. Anyway, Father Martin is espousing heresy. You can read the whole story by clicking the link in my show notes. Catholic Catholic News Pick pick number three. Hats off to LifeSite News. Bank of America is facing a new scrutiny after a conservative shareholder released the audio of him confronting executives about their support for Planned Parenthood. On Wednesday, the National Center for Public Research released the audio of its general counsel, Justin Danoff, who is also a Bank of America shareholder, pressing the bank's CEO, Brian Moynihan, on documentation indicating the company contributes to the abortion giant. This is why I absolutely refuse to do business with the Bank of America. You can read the whole story by clicking the link in my show notes. Catholic News Pick number two. Hats off to LifeSite News. On Thursday, the Satanic Temple announced on Instagram that for the first time in history, a Satanic organization has been recognized by the United States federal government as being a church. The IRS website confirms that the Satanic Temple is now a tax-exempt organization eligible to receive tax-deductible charitable contributions, but gives no further details on its status beyond being a public charity. The Satanic Temple isn't a church. It's an anti-church. Anytime God is driven from our lives, a vacuum is created. That the Satanic Temple is now recognized as a church shows that evil will always fill a void left by the abandonment of goodness. You can read the whole story by clicking the link in my show notes. Catholic Catholic News Pick number one. Hats off to LifeSite News. Pro-abortion Democrats serving on Michigan's Families, Children, and Seniors Committee were speechless after a veteran pro-life activist, Dr. Monica Miller, gave an impassioned testimony against dismemberment abortion Wednesday at the state capitol. During her four-minute remarks, Miller, the founder of Citizens for a Pro-Life Society, told lawmakers about how she retrieved dismembered babies from a dumpster behind an abortion clinic on the state's east side. These children died a most horrific torture method of extermination, she said. To dismember the unborn means we actually dismember them from the human family. We sever them from inclusion into the human family. This is very impactful. I do warn you, though, it's very graphic. Still, this is the sort of thing we need to see from time to time in order to be reminded of the immense evil and malice of abortion. You can read the whole story by clicking the link in my show notes. I believe a really great way to teach the faith is through stories, parables, and anecdotes. So here's today's story. When the death sentence was read to Mary Stuart, the unfortunate daughter of James V of Scotland, she remained calm and untroubled, and only requested that she be permitted a visit from her confessor who was imprisoned in the same castle. 
Her request, one which was usually granted to even the greatest criminals, was refused. Instead, the Anglican Dean of Petersboro was sent to her to try to win her over to the new religion of England. His offerings and arguments were of no avail. I have been born in the Catholic religion, she said. I have been reared in it, and I will die in it. Never will I quit that divine communion in which all members remain united in love, even in the life beyond, in which my soul will be remembered after death in prayer and sacrifice. Courageously, she ascended the scaffold and bowed her head for that fatal blow with these words on her lips, Lord, into thy hands I commend my spirit. The communion of saints means that we don't have to stand alone, that the continual exchange of spiritual power takes place, that we give and receive daily and support each other in prayer until we become united in our Heavenly Father's kingdom. A father has three sons. One occupies a very high position. The second has passed all his exams and has taken his degree, but has no position yet. The third is still going to school and faces a lot of work ahead of him. But all three brothers love, help, and encourage one another. The word saints means all members of the church. The saints in heaven have gained their victory for the church victorious. Those who have passed their exams, which is death, but have no positions yet because they must be purified of all the earthly garbage and purgatory, belong to the church suffering. And we, for whom earthly work and struggles lie ahead, are the members of the church militant. Hey, Six Packers, that's all for this episode. I've enjoyed having you with me. Don't forget to like me on Facebook and follow me on Twitter. The links are in my show notes. Also, remember to visit joesixpackanswers.com to sign up for my free email course. Each short lesson arrives in your inbox every three days. We also have the Cantankerous Catholic Social Media Group you can join to discuss anything about Catholicism, our country, or anything else on your mind. I visit the page every day. The link's also in my show notes. There are lots of other neat things of interest in my show notes, too. You can find them at cantankerouscatholic.com. And remember to live by the Joe Sixpack battle cry. Comfort and conviction don't live on the same block. This has been the Cantankerous Catholic with Joe Sixpack, the every Catholic guy. Thanks for subscribing, and be sure to visit cantankerouscatholic.com to get your free copy of Joe's popular book, The Best of What We Believe, Why We Believe It.